0: I want to just ask you and uh, make a plea to you to come Tuesday evening as we host the community Thanksgiving service here at our church. It's been a number of years since we've done that, and so this is an opportunity for us to uh, play host to the area churches as we gather together uh, during this Thanksgiving time and just give... Uh, celebration uh, of thanks to our our God. And so 7 o'clock Tuesday, I ask you to come. It would be great to just have this whole auditorium full of our own folks, and then we can invite others to come and sit with us and among us and uh, just enjoy that time together. So I look forward to Tuesday. Our band will be leading the worship that evening. Uh, Ralph Hall, one of our own... Members will be sharing a testimony that evening of God's work in his life this last year as he had cancer and uh, went through that time and God's blessing upon him. So come out that evening, please. Uh, a little bit of, of fun here. We are told to be thankful for all things, right? Well, what, what reasons could you find to be thankful if you burn the turkey on Thursday? I got some reasons for you. If you burn the turkey, you can still be thankful because Salmonella won't be a concern, okay? Uh, everyone will think that your turkey is Cajun blackened. okay? Here's another reason to be thankful. Uninvited guests will thank twice next year before they ask to come again. Your cheese, broccoli, lima bean, casserole will gain newfound appreciation if you burn the turkey. Okay, here, pets won't bother to pester you for scraps. Uh, No one will overeat. The smoke alarm was due for a test. Uh, You'll get to the desserts faster if you burn the turkey. Uh, After dinner, the guys can take the bird to the yard and play football with it. Uh, Here's here's another reason. The less turkey, uncle you-know-what, or you-know-who eats the less likely he will be to walk around with his pants unbuttoned for the rest of the afternoon. (laughs) I like that one too, Tanya. Uh, And you won't have to face three weeks of turkey sandwiches, okay? We have been in a series uh, about our purpose for living over these last several weeks. Uh, and, And interestingly, your purpose for living coincides with the church's purpose for existence. And do you know why? It's because we are the church. And so as we figure out what our purpose is, then we know, too, what the purpose of the church is. If we understand that purpose and live accordingly, then we are going to experience the fulfillment and the peace and the joy that we are all looking for. I want to just for a few moments review where we have come from over these last few weeks. We have said first of all that our purpose is to love God. And a few weeks ago when we covered that topic, Tim was preaching that day. He said to you that it is important and he used scripture to back up his his words. It, it is important that we love God first above everything else he is deserving of that love he is the the Lord of the universe he is the Savior he is the sustainer he not only deserves that kind of adoration and worship but he also demands that we love him first he wants our first love not our second love not our third love but he wants our first love Tim also said to you That if you love him, you will want to be with him. You'll want to get to know him. You will want to be spending time with him because you love him. He said too, if you love him, then you will be interested in keeping his commandments. Because all of that goes together. You cannot love God and not have an interest in keeping his commandments. That takes us to the second point here. ...of loving people. That is why God has put us here on this earth... ...to love Him and to love people. 1 John chapter 4 verse 20 says... If someone says, I love, love God and hates his brother... ...he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has not seen... ...cannot love God whom he has not seen. So we understand loving God and loving people... Go together. These are the two great commandments, Jesus said. What does it mean to love people? We answered that just a a few weeks ago. It simply means this you meet their need. You see what their need is, and you seek to meet. Their need. Love is not just words. It's not saying be warm and be filled and pat somebody on the back and and then go your way. Rather, it's action. It's taking the time to meet that person's needs, whatever those needs are. Then last week, we looked at that third point of living God's plan. That's the purpose for which God has put us here on this earth. Now, I understand that is a pretty broad statement living God's plan. And so, basically, what we are talking about is getting into this book and discovering what God's plan is. And, and it is so important that you do that. That you not just depend on the preacher to tell you what that plan is. No, you are accountable unto God to know what that plan is. And so, our encouragement to you is to get into this book, discover what that plan is, and then seek to live that plan out. I said to you last week that God's plan is for you to be holy. To be different from the world. To be pure, to be above reproach. That's what the word holy means, and that is what God has called us to. Hebrews 12:14 says, "Without holiness no one will see the Lord." Now, now obviously we cannot attain perfection on our own. We mentioned that last week, and, and that's important that we say that again. That we, we're not going to be perfect. That's where God's grace comes in. When we are not perfect, God's grace covers our sins, and we can be thankful for that. There is a second part of God's plan that I want to address today, and I would be doing you a disfavor if I did not preach this message to you. Because it is written throughout the pages of this book, and I would even go so far as to say that it is written upon the very heart of God, and that is that He has commissioned us to tell the good news of His Son to this world. I want to give to you five very important points that will help us live His plan in regards to sharing this good news with those who are around us. First of all, we must know what He wants us to do. And this this one's pretty easy because it is written so clearly in the black and white on the pages of this book. The, the Great Commission is in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's also... In the book of Acts. I want to read a few of those passages of scripture to you this morning. Matthew's account of the Great Commission says this. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. That's Matthew's account. Here's Mark's account of the Great Commission, and you'll see that they are one and the same, really. Mark says this, he's quoting Jesus, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. So while Matthew and Mark's Account of the Great Commission looks very similar. Luke's looks just a little bit differently. Let me read that to you. Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 48. Jesus is saying to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Let me read to you the Great Commission out of the book of Acts. Okay, Luke is the author of Acts as well. Chapter 1. Verse 8, Jesus is speaking. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, he was speaking directly to his disciples there. But the principle is there for us, the command is there for us, that we too are to be His witnesses. We are to go to the farthest ends of the earth, and we are to speak the good news of Jesus to those people whom we are around. Now, it's not just the Great Commission that tells us that. In Matthew, we are told to be salt and light to the world. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we are told to be His ambassadors. Ezekiel chapter 3, we are to be watchmen on the wall. If you have been around the church for very long at all, particularly this church, you will have heard messages about this over and over again, that we are to be His witnesses. Psalms 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, we are the redeemed. And what is it that we are to be saying so? We are to be speaking the words of the gospel, the words of truth that will bring people to salvation. My point is this. We are often challenged to be His witnesses here in this body of believers. It's not something that we don't know. The problem may be The doing of that which we know. Let me go to the second point. As we talk about living this plan out of sharing the message of Jesus. We must have the desire. It's one thing to have it here in the head. To know that we should be speaking the message of Jesus. It's another thing to have it here in the heart. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 10 verse 1 Romans chapter 10 verse 1 Paul says this brethren my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation Paul had a burden For his brethren. You look back to chapter 9 of Romans. Verses 1 and following. It says that he had such sorrow in his heart. He had unceasing grief in his heart. Why? Because he realizes that his Jewish brethren are going to hell. And that bothers him. He says, I wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ For the sake of my brethren. I can hardly imagine Paul saying that, much less anyone really feeling that and thinking that. He was so burdened for the salvation of those around him that he was saying this. I would be willing to go to hell if I knew that that would allow my brethren to go to heaven. I'd take their place in hell. How do you get that kind of a burden? You pray for it. You ask God to fill you up with His Holy Spirit so that you can have that kind of burden for lost souls. And as we draw nearer to God, the things that matter to God will matter to you. And I know that what matters to God is lost souls so much That he would give his son, Jesus, to come here and die on the cross. Hear me say this. If lost souls really don't matter that much to you, then something's wrong inside your heart. If lost souls really don't matter that much to you, something is desperately wrong inside of your heart. Because that's what matters to God. He desires every person to be saved. This this is the heartbeat of God. Lost souls. And if we want to live God's plan in taking the message of Jesus to a lost and dying world, then we need to have it here in our heart. We need to be consumed with this as God is consumed with it. I talked to you last week, uh, this idea of being holy, that we need to be consumed with being holy. I said, you know, really, American people are consumed with so many things these days. We are consumed with sports. We are consumed with money and stuff. We are consumed with ourselves. We are consumed with with sex. We are consumed with the latest technological gadgets. We ought to be consumed with the love of God and the saving grace of Jesus to such a point that we are wanting to share this message of Jesus with a lost and dying world. Point number three. if we're we're really interested in living this plan out and sharing the message of Jesus to a lost and dying world, we need to pray. One of my professors at college used to say this, before you wear the soles of your shoes out witnessing, you first need to wear the pants, the knees of your pants out praying. Evangelism of the world starts With prayer. I think our our brethren in India have figured that out. They pray unceasingly for lost souls. They pray fervently and with tears. They pray with fasting. They have all night prayer meetings. And they believe in the power of prayer. And that is why we see with E.K.'s ministry and Ajay's ministry. Thousands of people literally coming to Jesus. One of the last reports that I heard of one of the churches that we started here in our church by our giving, we gave the money and a a building was built in the in the village of Halfpura. That particular church, not only are they filling and overflowing. That church, in fact, when we were there a few years ago, there were about 300 people in that church. Today, that church runs around 1,500 people. They are overflowing. They are outside of the building and and there for worship. And they have started more than 20 churches in the mountains around them. And those churches are filling up. These people have a passion For lost souls. And they understand that it begins in the prayer closet. Something I've noticed through the years. When we hear emphasize prayer more. For lost souls. You know what we begin to see? We see more lost souls coming to Christ. Prayer works. And it's not as though we're, I'm talking about you know, rubbing the magic lamp and we get what we want. No, it's not that at all. Rather, we are coming before the throne of God boldly and we are asking in the name of Jesus for lost souls to be saved and we want it for, for His glory. It's not for our glory. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Him and lost souls who need saved. Please understand, this is the heart of God. And we are agreeing with God in prayer that more people would come to know Him. And we are praying for those people in our circle of influence. We're praying for our family. We should be. As I was looking at this sermon this morning and studying for it, it it dawned on me. Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. Are we going to put this into practice? A lot of us will be around family members on that day, and likely there will be some family members that we are around who don't have Jesus in their life. What about over these next few days, you praying for them by name, those family members that don't have Christ in their life? Maybe God on Thursday will give you an opportunity to speak to them because when we pray for people, God is going to begin to work specifically in two different ways. He's going to work in that person's heart, whom we're praying for, that they, their heart would be ready to receive the gospel. And secondly, he's going to begin working in your heart to be able to share the gospel in a timely fashion with boldness. Would you do that over these next few days, knowing that you're going to be around some people on Thursday that need Christ, that they need to hear the truth of Christ? Pray for them. Pray for yourself. To have the eyes open and the boldness that you need to speak the word to them. And while you're, while we're thinking about this circle of influence of who we ought to be praying for Pray for your friends, too. Pray for those whom you work with. Pray for those whom you go to school with. Those people that you are around and that you have an influence on, pray for them by name. This is where evangelism really starts. Let me give to you a fourth point. We need to put some feet to the plan. In other words, we need to do that which we know we should do. We need to share the message. We need to throw the lifeline out to the one who is drowning. We need to rescue the one who is trapped in spiritual darkness. And the amazing thing to me is, if we will share the message with people, the message will work. Listen to these promises Isaiah 55:11 So shall my word be which will which goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. You know what that verse is saying it simply says this God's word works. If we will share the truth of God with people, it will accomplish in their heart what God wants it to do. It can break the hardest of hearts. It can reach the unreachable person, but it has to be shared. Now, if we hold it inside, if we don't share that message, then guess what happens to the unreachable person? He stays unreachable and he goes to hell. Listen to this promise, Romans 1 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What is the power of salvation? It's the gospel. If you and I are willing to share the good news of Jesus with people, it has the power to change people's lives what's unfortunate is sometimes too often we hold the truth of God's word in our heart we don't share it we've got our lips sealed could I encourage you to take some steps to help in this matter of putting some feet to the plan and the first step would simply be this invite people to church look for opportunities to invite people to church if someone new moves in around you invite them to church better yet bake a cake and take it over to their house and, and and then invite them to church invite those at work to church invite those at school to church i talked with a person just recently who is new to our church i assumed that they had been invited to church by some of their co-workers because I knew that they were surrounded by some of our church people where they work. And so as I was visiting with them, I said, I'm assuming you were invited here to our church. Is that right? They said, no. Nobody's invited us. We just came. And I'm glad they did come. And and to our credit, when they did come, they felt warmth here. They felt love here. People came to them and just welcomed them very warmly. But we ought to be looking for opportunities to invite people to church. And let me give to you another step here. Just look for opportunities. To to love people and invest into people's lives. If you will do that, then opportunities will come for you to speak to them about Jesus. And how about this? Be willing to be God's voice. He will use you beyond your imagination. He can take a very weak vessel and he can do extraordinary things through you. Share your testimony with people. You've got a story to tell. What has God done for you? Has He helped you through a crisis? Has He forgiven you of your sins? Has He helped you in your parenting? Has He helped you in your marriage? Has He answered a prayer for you concerning finances? Has He he given to you a family? When maybe even the doctor said that wasn't going to happen. All of us have a testimony. And people are willing to hear that testimony. That story of what God is doing in your life. Be willing to share with them that story. Be willing to share with them the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word of God will work if you share it. And let me give to you one final point here. As we're talking about living this plan of God and sharing the good news... Of Jesus Christ. Number five. We need to wait on God. Once we have shared the word. We simply wait on God. And give his spirit. And his word. Time to work. I want to I share a testimony with you. It was probably two. Maybe three years ago. That I shared the gospel. The plan of salvation. With a, with a fellow. He was coming to the church. He had not ever made a decision for Jesus Christ and I went into his home visited with him and his family we sat down around the kitchen table and I opened the Bible and I shared with him how to be saved came to the very end of that that presentation and I asked him do you want to give your life to Jesus and he said I'm not ready yet and it was almost like that (laughs) I'm not ready yet don't push And I was smart enough not to push. And I just, I had laid it out. And so from that point on, I've prayed for him consistently. Several times every week, I'm praying for him by name to the Father. And I've waited. And I've prayed some more. And I've waited some more. Now, there have been a couple of times over that two or three year period that I've nudged him a little bit, but I haven't pushed him at all. And here about three weeks ago, he came into my office and he sat down in the chair across from my desk and he looked me square in the eye and he said two words to me. He said, I'm ready. We're going to be baptizing him here before too long. Wait on God. Because God's spirit and God's word are strong enough that if we're just willing to present it, God will do the rest. Now, brothers and sisters, you know, if you've been here for very long, you know this is my passion of reaching people for Jesus Christ. And it needs to be Your passion too because it's his passion and I'm believing that this church could do so much more than what we are doing if we got serious about that which God is serious about and that is reaching people who are lost. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, put it on our heart. Write it on our heart like it's written on your heart. May we be filled up with your Holy Spirit. have a burden for lost souls and to have boldness and to be willing to take the time to love people with the intention of sharing Christ with them. Thank you for the truth Thank you for the Holy Spirit and the power of your word. And I thank you for what you're going to do, Lord, in our church in these days ahead. The people that will be reached. In Jesus' name.